Okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Are you glad to be here? It's a great time to be alive. And um, I love Hebrew Springs. I tell you what, you, you don't have the best restaurants, but man, you have the best people. You have the best people, I'm telling you. But even the restaurants is good. They don't look good, but the food is great. <laughs> you must never discern somebody in the way he dressed because what will come out of him can be pretty good. And I'll tell you what, your food is good, but I love the people. I really love the people. It's, uh, it's great people. Okay, tonight um, I, I want to talk about desert. You know, aren't you glad that you don't serve a good weather God? He's only good when the weather is good. He is good even in the midst of storms. And he's just as good in deserts. He is a God who you can depend on no matter what the circumstances are. Um, and the worse things become, the better he is. We saw it this morning in the fourth watch when Jesus showed up. Tomorrow night... I'm going to talk to you about Catch Peter, and we're going to have a look into the character of Peter and how God prepared him and how God transformed him. Um, it's going to be great, and we're going to eat breakfast with Jesus tomorrow night. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Uh, I'm going to prove to you that Jesus ate breakfast with his disciples. So come tomorrow night, and uh, you're, going to, you're going to be, I pray that tomorrow night God will catch you. Because that's the, whole, that's the whole purpose of the whole thing. Catch Peter, but God needs to put your name in there so that he can catch you. Tell the person next to you tomorrow night, you will be in his grip. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't, I don't think you really believe what I'm just say, saying here. But okay, I'm not going to read a scripture to, to you tonight because I will cover some scriptures. I, I just want to talk in general and then I want to minister to some people here because I've seen some potential uh, troublemakers here moving around in the church. And uh, I'm discerning them one by one. And, uh, and uh, I want to get to them. And uh, don't let anybody leave now because I want to get to these troublemakers. And, uh, <laughs> but I would like to minister to some people here, okay? Deserts. Why do I want to talk to you about deserts? We live in a, we live in a day, uh, and let me say this first and foremost. I do not come to you as an evangelist. I can evangelize. I've done that. I've been in India many other places. I come to you purely as an apostolic prophetic voice. Um, just to give you a little insight into what's happening, uh, a few weeks ago I got a call from probably, according to me, the most authoritative person on prayer in America. And he asked me whether uh, we can consider to bring all the COG, the Church of God evangelists, into an upper room experience because they, they feel like the evangelists of this nation needs it. And then I had a uh, a Zoom call with him and another leader from the, from, from the Assemblies of God, great leader that has just been moved to Springfield, that will be over prayer and evangelism and to bring all the Assemblies of God evangelists into the upper room. And last week I was supposed to have a, 
Zoom call with these both parties plus two or three other leaders from both denominations and another leader from another Pentecostal denomination. We had a major internet breakdown, couldn't do the Zoom call. But the idea is to bring more denominational leaders, Pentecostal denominations, in the next week or two onto a Zoom call so that we can mobilize all the evangelists in America to come into an upper room for an upper room experience. So pray for us, church, because this is not something I ask for. This is something they ask me whether I'm willing. Well, I'm willing because the upper room belongs to everybody, but there's a, there's a tendency or an awareness that our evangelists need to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. Because we, we put a great emphasis on the pastor and the teacher, but we do not evangelize America anymore, and America is becoming a missions field. So um, this is a huge undertaking, so pray for us. Okay, I want to talk about deserts. Now, when I talk about deserts, it's not necessarily a real desert in real terms. It's, it's figurative uh, deserts that can come to your life and my life. And again, show me what God can do for me in deserts, and I will probably be more impressed with Him what He can do in storms and deserts than in good weather. Uh, health deserts, financial deserts, your occupation, there's so many aspects of your life that, that could be uh, breeding grounds for a desert experience. When you look at the defense force, let's just talk about America, the police. When you look at those people uh, working or being in the defense force, in the police, and you look at their training, you will notice that, that when, they, when, they, when they met real terms, when they are in real trouble, when they are in a real war, that's when they really thank the people that train them. Uh, you don't appreciate your training for war until you're in a war. And, and I'm speaking to you tonight because God is preparing us for the future. And we must especially train and prepare the next generation. Because, uh, you know, when I look, look at these young guys tonight doing the praise and worship here, uh, we must make sure that we set them up for any circumstance in the future. That when we are gone and Brother Lee and myself are in heaven, we don't want to worry about them. We want to know they, we gave them the training for what they needed. Um, deserts, the, the, the word desert has a negative connotation, I know. I'm pretty much aware that the best topic to speak about is not storms and deserts. I know that especially in this day, where we want feel-good sermons. You know, give, give me something, the quick fix. Give me the quick fix. But, but that's not the answer. Deserts uh, is part of the landscape of life. Whether you like it or not, uh, you know, this is not Facebook, uh, where you like something and you love something. God says, even if you don't like it, deserts is part of real life. Uh, but deserts is also a place of character building, and we need that back. We need character building back. 
God uses deserts as training and empowerment. Uh, he, he builds character. And uh, again, deserts is not your choice and it's not my choice. Storms, it's not my choice, not your choice. But we saw this morning what God can do in storms and how, especially when I spoke about the unexplainable storms, how God made the disciples to get into that boat. It's almost like God is saying, you don't like it, but you need it. I remember when I was small, my mother made me eat food that I didn't like. Come on. And then they tell us we're going to have red chicks and all that. Well, that was a lie, but uh, she's now with Jesus, so she will understand. <laughs> okay. Uh, deserts are always associated with silence, separation, loneliness, struggles, sacrifices. Come on. And... Uh, we're living, in a, we're living in a day where there's millions of voices, the voices of social media. It's overwhelming. This phone is an incredible blessing, but it can be an incredible problem as well. And sometimes God is in us, God fights with us because this controls our lives. And uh, the fact of life is that, what is the fact of life? The fact of life is that we learn easier in deserts than what we learn in comfort and prosperity. That's why I asked the Lord in 2001 when I came into America the first time, well, to, to come and live here, uh, I said, Lord, who is my enemy? And the Lord said, comfort. Comfort is your enemy. You will preach against a comfortable spirit, and when you're comfortable, you don't learn. Because it's really smooth, it's nice, and so forth. Now, in James 1, verse 2, uh, the Bible says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Well, let me just say, uh, go to Ephesians 6, 12 first. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. You know that scripture. Every one of us are exposed to that battle in the spirit. You cannot escape it. It's part of this life. Now, uh, in James 1, verse 2, the Bible says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into trials. Now, to a certain degree, a desert is a trial. Don't come and tell me a desert is, a, a desert is trials. It's testing times. Now, James 1, verse 2 says, Count it all joy... When you fall into trials. Now, to be honest with you, that is a scripture that I try to ignore completely. Because I don't like it. If you, if you put that scripture on Facebook, you will not see my little blue finger there. I will not like it. Because I don't understand how God can tell me that <laughs> kind of joy when you fall into different trials. The Living Bible the Living Bible of the same verse says this. It says, dear brothers. Can you see how the Living Bible approaches us? Dear brothers. When you see dear brothers, be careful. He's trying to set you up. Dear brothers, is your life full of difficulties and in temptations? 
This is now the Living Bible. Then be happy. It's almost like, is, are you serious? Is this not a printing mistake? For when the way is rough, your patience has a chance to grow. Now, this modern day that we're living in, people don't want their patience to grow. And we need patience. Okay, now, when you look at James 1 verse 2 in the Berkeley translation, that's a very old translation, it says there, you must regard it as nothing but joy when you are involved in all kinds of trials. So what God is saying is, your deserts is a breeding ground for real joy. That's why I say it again so that it's on record. I don't like James 1 verse 2. I only read it when I need to preach it. I'm afraid that if I read it when I'm alone, it's just for me. I want people that can join me when I'm in trouble. Come on, you are all exposed to the Scripture. The Good News Bible says, when you have trials and temptations, consider yourselves fortunate. It's getting worse and worse. I tell you what, I really thought I'm going to find a translation that says it different, and every time I try, it's getting worse. The NEB translation says, whenever you have to face trials of many kinds, how many of you know there's many kinds of trials? It says, count yourselves supremely happy. I told you, it's getting worse. Supremely happy. Let's try another one. The Phillips translation says, I think the Phillips is going to be the best. When all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives. Oh, my goodness. How many of you have learned in this life that sometimes when trouble comes, they bring their brothers and their sisters and their nieces, and they all come. They crowd into your life. It says, when they crowd into your lives, my brothers, he's speaking to the church, my brothers, do not resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. It's James 1 verse 2. You, you don't need to read it after tonight because I've given you everything. Okay. The Message Bible says, when you have trials and temptations, the Message Bible says, throw yourselves a party. There must be something hiding. Throw yourselves a party? That's what the Message Bible says. You see, church, the joy in the New Testament was most of the times connected to trials and temptations. Paul wrote from a prison, I think it's in uh, uh, Philippians 4 verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I, again, I say rejoice. That scripture came from a prison. Wow. You say, Pastor Andre, rather preach Old Testament because this New Testament thing is not good. We're talking about deserts. Hebrews um, 5 verse 8 says, Though he was a son, this is Jesus, he learned obedience in a five-star hotel. No. It says he learned obedience through the things he suffered. Wow. Church, I'm here to say to you, you need some deserts. 
Yeah. Yeah. Be careful. I'm going to prophesy deserts tonight. You want to get that as a word? I'm telling you. Listen here. Don't be afraid for storms and do not be afraid for deserts. God, the supernatural one, has the ability to turn both of them into breeding grounds for greatness. I want to encourage you, don't give up. Now, deserts can actually be remarkable. Number one, in deserts, it's so quiet, you can literally hear how quiet it is. You say, well, how do you do that? Go to the Namib Desert in southwest Africa. It's Namibia today. It's on the west side of South Africa. There's a great desert there. When you go in there, it's so quiet that you can actually hear how quiet it is. And the beautiful thing is that's where you will hear God's voice. Sometimes you need a desert to hear God's voice. We must, in this world, we must learn to break away from noise. We have more noise today than what my parents had. Because we have noise. To, I mean, I grew up in a home, we never had television. Because, in my, I mean, television came when I was already an adult. Uh, that generation had no television, no social media. But I'm telling you, they've heard the voice of God. And um, so we, we need to break away from busyness. Uh, I think this is the most busiest generation that you can ever, ever desire to see. God refuses. God refuses to shout at us. If you make a study of God's voice, yes, he can shout if he wants, but he prefers to whisper. He prefers to speak to you in a very gentle way. I've learned it in my own life. When I can shut everything down, and even when I'm in a desert, a figurative desert, that's when I hear his voice the best. He will not compete with noise, social media, and voices. He can speak to us, and he knows that if we go into a desert, we will hear his voice. He knows that. Come on. Come on. I know, I know it's going to be tough to pump you up tonight with this kind of word, but I, I'm going to try my best. What is the role of figurative desert? What is the purpose of it? Come on, church, I'm preparing you to become adults, strong people in the Lord. Because we need Christians in this world today that are grounded, strong in the Lord. Uh, we, we need it. It's, it's a desperate need today. When, uh, when you look at leaders in the Bible, you will see that those that were mightily used by God all went through deserts. You say, but I've already gone to a Bible school. I've been to university. That's not a desert. Come on. That's not a desert. Sometimes what you come through will make you or break you. Uh, and uh, when you look at Joseph, 
Joseph was raised up by his father, and he was protected by Jacob because he was, he was actually spoiled. He received special treatment uh, better than his other brothers. And uh, his great task was to bring bread to Israel and Egypt. I mean, God, God, God has set him aside. He had a dream, but he was arrogant. And before God could allow Joseph to go into the palace, it's a long story, in 2001, I wrote a book on Joseph. Uh, you've never heard about that book. It's, uh, I'm not going to reprint it, but we wrote a book on Joseph. In fact, it was prophesied to me, you need to write on Joseph. And the prophet who prophesied to me about writing on Joseph did not know that two weeks after that prophecy, the book was already delivered in Atlanta. It was in 2002, not 2001. I now remember it. But Joseph uh, went to the pit, stands for prophet in training. Not really, it's just my, my revelation. Went to Potiphar's house, house of lies. But then he went to the prison. And the same gift that will open up Egypt for Joseph is the same gift that got him in prison. Sometimes the gift of God in you will first cause you a lot of trouble before it starts to bless you. And he's in, he's in prison now. Now, that's a figurative desert. How many of you know that was not a joyride? But that's where God did the final training before he allowed him to go into the palace because when Joseph was thrown into the pit by his brothers. He was an arrogant man, but when he was in the palace and he saw his brothers, he was a broken man. And God cannot allow you to go into the, into the greatest season of your life with arrogance because that will destroy you. So he had to allow a desert to get the arrogance out of him. How many of you know Bible schools does not remove arrogance? In, in fact, sometimes good training make people more arrogant because they get puffed up. But figurative deserts can turn me into something that no university, no Bible school can make me. And the best people to listen to is people that have deserts. So Joseph was one of them. David, we all know about David in the Old Testament. David spent time in the deserts of Judea. We celebrate David, the greatest king of the Old Testament, and we talk about all the Psalms that he wrote, but we never talk about his deserts. We don't want to hear about that. No, no, no. That's actually where he learned how to do praise and worship. Show me how you can do praise and worship in the desert before you ask to do it on the platform. If you cannot praise him in the pews, don't praise him on the platform. Come on. So he was in the desert of Judea. Long times, David had to flee from Saul. Saul was a so-called man of God, but God first had to put him in the desert fleeing from Saul to prepare him so that when he replaces Saul, he will not be another Saul. 
Because Saul was a long, tall, and handsome guy. Saul was a head and shoulder ministry. Saul built himself a monument. Can you believe it? He built himself a monument. It was all about himself. And God said to Samuel, I am tired of Saul. I am tired of the leader of my nation. But I want to replace him with a man after my heart. But I'll make sure that the next man will not only be a psalmist, but I want him to learn how to sing and praise me in the deserts before I appoint him through the finger of Samuel to replace Saul so that we do not have another mistake. Come on. That's good preaching. Now, in the desert, he learned long-suffering. He learned lessons on leadership. Church, um, I had people uh, sometimes ask me, where did you learn this and how did you get this? And I said, you don't want to know where I got this from. You do not want to know where I got this from. Sometimes what, what you've learned in deserts cannot be bought with money. It's impossible. He was the most important king of Israel. When you go to Elijah, and we can say a lot about Elijah, great prophet. Oh, what a great prophet. Just after his great breakthrough on Carmel, we found Elijah the prophet depressed, sitting under a juniper tree. You say, but how is it possible? Well, that's the truth. Sometimes when the anointing left, you can find yourself sitting in a hotel room and say, Lord, you used me yesterday, but here I sit under the tree of whining and complaining. What am I doing here? I don't know. When the anointing left, you will sometimes celebrate the tree, and nobody will know you are sitting there under a juniper tree. Okay. But what did God do? He was sitting under the juniper tree. He was depressed, and God sent him further into the desert. Wow. God sent him into the desert further. And 1 Kings 19 verse 12. And uh, so now he's in a cave. How many of you heard of the story about the cave? He's sitting in a cave. And we all have caves <laughs> in our deserts. And there we sit and we whine and we complain. And we are confused because there was an earthquake and it was not the voice of God. And then there was a fire, and that was not the voice of God. You know, earthquake. Oh, God, speaking earthquake. No. Fire. Oh, yeah, something dramatic. No, it's not God's voice. Wind. The wind came. Oh, it's not God's voice. But when he stood in the opening of the cave, he heard a whisper. Sometimes God will send you further into the desert to shut you off from everything that can speak to you because he knows you will hear his voice in the desert. And again, church, I've said it several times every time I come here and I hear how they talk about how much land they have. You know, these people, they all have land here in Arkansas and they have cattle and some have donkeys. The reason I'm so impressed with all the land they have is not because I don't care how many donkeys you have, brother. I am more interested to come on your land 
and go in between the trees and disappear and be quiet because that's where I will hear God's voice. Come on, church. God, I want to say it again. God will not shout. We make so much noise. Sometimes, can I be honest with you? Sometimes, and I go to many, many churches. I go to many, many churches. And, uh, and, and I was so blessed with the worship tonight. And, and, and yeah, I, I will not tell you what I saw here tonight, but I was very blessed with the worship. But sometimes I go to churches where the worship and the guitar is so loud and it's so, and I say, Lord, it's a lot of noise. But where are you in the worship? Come on. Be careful that we do not become model preachers and I can shout at you for 30 minutes and make a lot of noise. In the meantime, I'm saying nothing. Noise. Even Pentecostal noise, even religious noise. We must be careful that we do not make noise just to fill emptiness. Sometimes you need to learn how to be quiet. And that's where deserts comes in. The four Gospels, when you look at the four Gospels, John the Baptist was in a desert before he started his ministry. Oh, I wish all these mighty men never had deserts, then I had no reason to preach it. But when I look at them, I say, mighty men of God. And when you look a little bit deeper, you say, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. He comes out of the desert. Come on. I know you're never going to get another speaker that's going to preach on storms and deserts. I think in the future, pastor will probably, when he brings somebody in, and say, what are you going to talk about? I just want to make sure you do not cover storms and deserts. Because we had a speaker here, and he chose those two words to preach on. And we don't want to hear anything about that ever again. Because we don't want to throw a party having trouble. <laughs> you never knew that James 1 was 2, verse 2 was that powerful. But now you know, John the Baptist was in a desert before he started his ministry. But John the Baptist was the one who baptized Jesus. So Jesus was baptized by a man who come out of a desert, not out of a hotel. Oh, we live in a modern day where we think, oh, who will have the honor to baptize Jesus in America? Oh, and we will give a checklist to the Holy Spirit and say, choose from these incredible names in America. They have all these kind of ministries, and uh, oh, you must find one of them to baptize you. Jesus will say, no, give me the man who come out of the desert to baptize me. Why? <laughs> we can make a study of the character of John the Baptist, and we will probably find out why. Matthew eleven eleven says, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who he's, is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. It was announced that John the Baptist will prepare the way for Jesus. I mean, he was, he was born six months before Jesus. I mean, that close. John the Baptist was the one who said, no, I'm not Elijah. I'm not a prophet. 
but the one standing in your midst whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to untie. Come on, that's the, kind of, that's the kind of person that baptized Jesus. John the Baptist had such a powerful ministry that they thought he was Christ. They thought he was Elijah. That's how powerful he was. And he said, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. We need ministries back that will say, I can write a hundred books, but I will not write one. I can't have a worldwide television ministry, but I choose not to have one. I don't say it's wrong to have a television ministry. I don't say it's wrong to write a book. But in the context of this, I want to say, give me somebody in the hour where he can take all the glory for his, oh, yeah, I'm Christ, oh, I'm Elijah. He will say, no, no, no. I am not what you say I am. There's somebody much greater. And he stand. that's, come on. You see, when you come out of a desert... You lose all pride and you lose all flesh. And deserts make you something that is so needed. John was prepared in deserts. Desert journeys is a signpost of something great God is preparing you for. I can talk about that for hours. Deserts is a signpost that God is preparing you for something great. Not only ministry-wise, it could even be in your business. When you go to Luke chapter 4, that's the story how Jesus went into the desert. We're talking about deserts. Oh, how exciting. Deserts. In Luke 4, verse 1, the Bible says, Jesus went into the desert, and it says there, he was led by the Spirit. Wow, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit to go into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. How many of you know that you can read a book on authority and still not have authority? If anybody ever writes a book on how to get authority, the five steps to authority... Don't buy it. <laughs> because you cannot learn certain things. There's certain things that you, you, you only get it in deserts. Come on. He was led into the desert by the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the greatest of them all, led into the desert by the Holy Spirit. The devil tempted him. Um, and you, when you read all the Gospels, you will even see that the angels served him. Luke does not make, make reference of it, but the angels. You see, if you want angelic ministry, angels will serve you. It's like Peter in, 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 in Acts, I think it's in Acts chapter 11, where, uh, is it Acts 11 where he was in the prison? And the Bible says, and the church prayed, the church made prayer, original language, the church made prayer. The church, the ch that word made is the same word when, when God created. That word made means create. The church created a miracle through prayer. Wow. So prayer can become so powerful that you can literally come on God's level and start to create miracles. They made prayer for, and an angel led him out. 
You see, angel, angelic ministries is at its best when we are in deserts. When you, when, you, when you talk to the persecuted church, you will hear stories about angelic visitations all the time. Okay, so then it says there, uh, in verse 14 it says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. So he was led into the desert by the Spirit, but he came out of the desert in the power of. What's that? You see... Deserts is a breeding ground for authority. Jesus walked in a greater authority after he came out of the desert. And I want to encourage all of you, your testings and your trials is actually the places where God will build an authority in you you never had before. Come on, church. You know, I need to learn a lot of things from the Lord. I am not even close to where I would love to be. But when I look at my life, when I started in the 20s in ministry and where I am today, if you ask me today, where did you learn most of what you've learned, I need much more time to tell you what I had to hear, what I had to see, what I had to walk through in order to learn and to pick up things. I mean, sometimes... Authority will come in a moment that you don't even know it. In the future, when you have to operate in a certain situation, you're going to say a few things and you're going to say, my goodness, I don't know what's happening, but uh, they listen to me. Can I be honest with you? I don't want to talk about myself, but when I got this call a few weeks ago, from a man that wrote a book on the next reformation coming. And I read the book, it's powerful. And how the Lord spoke to him in Germany about what's coming. And when you hear this man in the upper room, I mean, God literally used this man to turn the tables in one of our most significant upper rooms we've ever had where we had leaders from the underground church. We had Jew. We had, we had Arab doing tag team ministry. One Arab from Egypt, the other Jewish man from Israel. We had, we, I mean, we had leaders from the underground church in China. When this man called me a few weeks ago, and I spoke with him in a huge prayer conference a few weeks ago, he said, Brother Andre, would you mind if we bring all the evangelists in America together, but you must lead it? My first question is, you wrote a book on the next Reformation. You turned the tables in the upper room. You are most, uh, one, uh, most of the most authoritative people I've ever heard on prayer. And you ask me, why do you ask me? In the conference, I spoke about the incoming and the outgoing order prophetically. And we had an altar call, and it was phenomenal to see pastors flocking to the altar call. But when he called me, I said, God, what does he see in me? And I realized, maybe, maybe I have no clue what happened with me when I was tested and tried to the point 
I remember a meeting one day that I was in many, many years ago in South Africa. I wept. I walked out of that meeting. I got into my car. I didn't go home. I was, I was desperate. I drove for miles in a direction in South Africa one night. Thank God it's not now because it's so dangerous now. I just drove and drove and drove, and I wept and I wept and I wept. It was one of my, my Joseph moments when my dream when, 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 when my dream was thrown into the pit, I will never forget that night and I came back home an hour after the meeting. Naomi doesn't even know till today that I never came home straight because I had to get space to weep until I could not. But you know what? It's in those moments that God built something in you that no man can ever take out of you again. And the same people who threw the mantle of the dream in the pit is the same people had to, who had to take the mantle out of the pit and say, we made a horrible mistake. But you know what? Sometimes God will allow certain things to happen so that you can hear His voice in the desert Because you won't hear him in the midst of everyday noise. How can I preach about this tonight? Because I know how this works. Oh, my goodness. Come on. Don't shout me down. And please sit down for a moment. I'm not not done yet. (laughs) Okay. I'll try one more. I hope this one works. The Apostle Paul, Acts chapter 9, he got saved. He was a dangerous guy. I mean, he he persecuted the church. And uh, you will not read much, much of it, but do you know that the Apostle Paul spent three years in an Arabic desert? He said, oh, Pastor Andre, where did you get that from? We've never, I've never known that Paul was in, in an Arabic desert for three years. Yes, he was. But you see what? We don't preach to the people about those deserts because we don't study that out. It's too negative. We only highlight what incredible man Paul was. He wrote 27% of the New Testament, but... In order to transform him, God had to send him into the desert, and he spent there three years, not three days. Wow. Yes. Yes, that's Paul. Now, the same Paul comes, and he wrote in Philippians 3, 7, and 8, he says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet, indeed, I I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Oh, church, I know it's deep. I know it's challenging. I know it's Sunday night, and you came for a prophetic word. And I'm talking about tough stuff, difficult things. But come on, God is preparing you. He's building a people of character in this region because God is setting this region up for something great. And I'm not saying that to make you feel good. 
I'm serious. God is setting you up. I want to say it again. When you go through deserts, financial deserts, mental deserts, doesn't matter what it is, God, it's a signpost of something great coming. Church, when I went through it, I hated every moment. Now that I look back, I say, thank you, Jesus. I've learned something I would not have learned in a hotel room. Okay. Okay. Deserts come unannounced. I'll wrap it up. Deserts is places of silence. About 12 years ago, I went through a situation where I noticed somebody's, somebody threw, away, threw around their weight, and it was very disturbing when I saw this, but I, didn't, I couldn't say anything. I couldn't do anything. I just saw it, and I just said, Lord, that's not good. That's not good in the kingdom of God. It upset me in the spirit that it actually drove me into my private room, and it drove me right into the arms of Jesus, and I heard his voice. And I've learned sometimes God will cause things to upset you, to drive you in a certain direction. It's like Elijah drove him further into the desert because God knew I will ultimately get you sitting in a cave where you hide all by yourself and you will hear the whisperer. I'd rather sit in a cave in the middle of a desert and I hear the whisper than sitting in the midst of social media and I'm a busy guy and everybody likes what I put on Facebook, but I haven't heard God for a year or two. Come on. Okay, I'm almost done. Moses was in a desert when God spoke to him. Burning bush. And what did he say? Here I am, Lord. Jesus made time to be alone. Jesus was most of the times, he spent a lot of time in the mountains on, on, on the shore of Galilee. It was important for him to hear the voice of his father. Why are you here tonight? You want to hear the voice of the father. Somewhere in your life, there's something that's out of line. Somewhere in your life, there's something that needs some adjustments. And you say, I want to go to that Sunday night service because I need to hear from God. Why? You could be in a desert season. You could be in a desert because your children is out of control. That's another kind of desert. When you have no answer, the only thing you can do is hear God's voice regarding your children. Deserts come suddenly. God does not cause deserts, but he uses deserts. God will, not, God will not cause havoc in your life, but he can use bad situations. We saw it this morning in Acts chapter 27. He used a storm to do a miracle on the island Malta. God is so powerful that he can use the negative thing in your life, turn your character upside down, and then make you a mighty instrument and turn things around. God will always love you. doesn't matter what you go through. The love of Christ is always a secure thing. doesn't matter what you go through. The love of Christ is constant. Never in your moment of testings and trials things that God doesn't love you. You will emerge better 
you will emerge better. I want to end with Luke 4 again. Jesus was led into the desert, not by the devil. He was led into the desert by the Holy Spirit. But he came out of the power in the power of. If you want to be people of authority, welcome your deserts and throw yourselves a party. And do not resent them as intruders, Philip translation, but welcome them as friends. So when you see trouble, say to trouble, I'm so glad you came. Welcome. Would you like to drink some tea, hot tea? What are you, Texan? Come on. Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. That verse is powerful. And again, the joy of the Lord is always connected to some kind of persecution in the New Testament. Can I, can I get some music? Thank you, Jesus. Who's going to do the music for me? Are we going to do real music or sound booth? You're having a committee meeting now? They try to figure out what they're going to do. Here they come. Amen. Especially, you can all come, but I, uh, I need that keyboards to be very sensitive. Come, 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 come. Be very sensitive. Come on, Father, we thank you for a good night. We thank you for a good night. Just pray this prayer. Say, Lord, you know what you're doing. Even when I don't like it. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Father, I thank you tonight that the circumstance that people find themselves in right now is actually the preparation of something great. And I thank you, God, that they're going to find it out soon in Jesus' name. Come on, give me some keyboard here. Thank you, sir. What's your name? Malachi. Where do you come from? What's the name of the place? Tuckerman. So that's in Arkansas. Is that a bigger place than Hebrew Springs? Smaller? Where do you come from? Same place. Wow, are you brothers? Oh, so there's another one. Now, what are you all doing here? Who brought you here? Okay, so this is the guy. Aren't you afraid of him? Because this guy's big, man. We anointed him with oil last year, and then since then, this is what's happening. Okay, so you all came from the same city. Amen. Wow. We give you praise, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just worship the Lord and... Let us just enjoy the presence of the Lord. Yes, 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 yes. You can lift it a little bit for me. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Father, we give you praise. Okay, let me talk to this young lady here. Come here. Come, stand up. 